The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Devo. All right, I just about give up. How do you even come close to figuring out this wild 2014 Royal season? We've never seen one quite like it, have we? As I welcome you into another edition of Clubhouse Conversation. It's Devo on your dish with lots of good happening today for the Royals. In fact, let's dig right in with four great things, I'll even say, that occurred today for the Royals. Number one, let's go back to that suspended game that we played earlier this afternoon as the Royals had a pretty good effort there in the 10th inning, didn't they? They scored a run and then had the tying run at second base with two outs. Omar Infante at the plate. Omar couldn't quite get the run in, which has been the story of him since the All-Star break. Been in a bit of a slump. Hopefully he can still heat up here in the last week and heading into the playoffs. But, you know, couldn't quite get that run in, which is too bad, as we found out later after the Tigers choked against the White Sox. We'll talk about that here in a few minutes. But I thought that was a nice way to start the day today. Come out with some confidence. Moose gets the leadoff knock. A lot of people thought that Yost would pinch hit for Moose. He didn't. It paid off. Good move by Ned as Moose got on base. And we saw Nori get a big hit in there. And, you know, on and on. I mean, nice stolen base by Dyson. The Royals had a chance to tie that and win that game. How amazing would that have been if they'd walked off there in Cleveland? Could have gained a game and a half today. But either way, they did score a run. Like I said, I thought it set the tone for game two because they came out in the first inning as the Royals get a nice win on the nightcap. They came out, set the tone early, got a run. So back-to-back innings with runs for the Royals. The 10th inning of game one, or suspended game, however you want to look at it. And then a run right off the bat, thanks to Eric Hosmer, a big two-out hit in the nightcap. And this is how it's felt all year when the Royals win. They get great pitching, they catch the ball, and get just enough hitting, and that was the formula for success in Game 2 tonight. I keep calling it Game 2. It felt like a doubleheader, didn't it? Whatever. You, you know what I'm talking about. Whatever. So the third great thing today was Danny Duffy. This has an exclamation point by it on my notes. Exclamation point for Danny Duffy. How nice was it to have him back out there? Six shutout innings from the Duffman, 96 pitches total. Scattered six hits, five strikeouts. Two walks, you know, leadoff hitter of the game was a walk. Outside of that, I mean, pretty good control for Duffy. At least, I mean, maybe not good control might be a, an understatement. Effectively wild at times, a bit rusty. You could see him shaking off the rust a bit. Perhaps struggling at times to repeat his delivery, maybe rush things from time to time, maybe tried to overthrow, especially in the first two innings when he was over 20 pitches both frames. But then settled down after that. Looked really good innings three through six. How nice is it to have Danny Duffy back? You get him one more start in Chicago, you can push him to 100, 105 pitches there, and then he ought to be good heading into the playoffs. Yeah, I'm talking about playoffs more certain tonight, aren't I? And that's the fourth great thing that happened today. Detroit loses to Bassett, who I don't feel quite so bad that the Royals were basically shut down by him now the last time they faced him. Did the same thing, seven and two-thirds at Comerica Park, completely shut down. Chicago, thanks to Tyler Flowers setting a two-run shot. Of course, not this opening day, but last year he did that to the Royals. It was a one-nothing game, I believe, James Shields' first game, wasn't it, as a Royal? Took him deep, so we've seen Tyler Flowers hit game-winning home runs and shutouts before. Today in the Royals' favor, what a nice win. What a nice surprise for the White Sox, because it wasn't even Chris Sale's turn tonight. He goes on Wednesday. So if the White Sox can split these next two I like it for so many reasons. First of all, I like it, obviously, because 
If the Royals can split the next two, they go into that four-game set with Chicago no worse than one game out. You know, if the Royals win the next two and they win, then they'd be tied, obviously. Just scenarios here I'm talking about. Not predicting anything. Just talking scenarios. I like it for that, obviously. But number two, I like it because I'd like to see the White Sox playing a bit better, having some wins out of their way before the Royals play them. I'd like to go into that last four-game set. And the White Sox have been playing better. It was I mean, the Royals had a dickens of a time winning two or three here in KC. So just a number of good things from Detroit and Chicago tonight. And then number two, Seattle just got completely roasted by Toronto. Our old buddy Danny Valencia had a nice hit, although who didn't get a hit tonight for, for Toronto? They might still be hitting right now as we do this. And, and, I mean, make no doubt about it. I mean, you, you realize this too. KC's win and those two teams both losing in the same day exponentially increases the Royals' playoff you know, hopes. So we have six games left now. So every day... If you look at the you know official percents on ESPN or MLB.com, wherever you prefer baseball reference or wherever you're at, I mean, I would suspect the Royals' playoff chances go up 10%. Could move 10% a day from here on out because six game, you know, six games to go, and Cleveland effectively eliminated with one more loss out of the wild card. The Royals can put them out of their misery. Right now they're whimpering. They can put them out of their misery by splitting or sweeping the next two. That would take Cleveland completely out of things. But... I mean, the Royals are in good shape. We're going to talk more about that a bit later. Actually, let's do it right now before we get to the game. I'm, I'm in a good mood about scenarios right now in playoffs. So let's just assume worst case that, Se- that Seattle finishes 4-2 and two because they still got the Angels and a couple against the Blue Jays with Burley going on one of them. So let's just say Seattle finishes 4-2, and two, and I'm not convinced they will finish 4-2. and two. They lose, you know, Elias today. Elias, Eli- I suppose is how you pronounce that. I always forget how to pronounce his name. Uinus Elias. They lose him with elbow issues for the rest of the year. That's a huge loss for Seattle. Now they still got some, you know, Ibakuma and Hernandez and Young's having a great year. So they still have enough pitching, but that is a big loss for Seattle. Missing him for one or one and a half, two starts, however they were going to do that with him. Maybe one start plus relief. I don't know how they were going to work him. But let's say they finish four and two, and I'm not convinced they will. But if they do finish four and two, all the Royals have to do is go three and three. And they're guaranteed the second wild card at this point. Three and three out of KC, assuming that Seattle goes four and two, because KC's got a full two game lead. Even if KC went two and four and they went four and two, they'd finish in a tie. That wouldn't be good, obviously. But my point is KC goes three and three, and we're assuming realistic best case Seattle goes four and two, they should have the second wild card wrapped up. Now, that's a big F. Big F. We still got to win three games, and there's no guarantee we'll do that. So we're not going to get complacent here on Clubhouse Conversation. My point, though, is if you look at the bottom worst case scenario for KC in the playoffs, and of course that is the second wild card, the second wild card is very, very, very achievable at this point. But obviously way more than that at stake for the Royals. They want to catch Oakland and or Detroit. Get that home game at the K guaranteed in either scenario. They're only a game back of Oakland. Technically, right now, a half game as I record this, but Oakland has a nice lead. So assuming Oakland wins tonight, they most likely will. The Royals remain a game back of the A's for the top wild card. A game back of the A's and a game back of Detroit. Just keep winning, baby. As Al Davis says, if Casey goes 4-2 and two or 5-1, and one, I believe they'll get that top wild card. And if they go 5-1 and one or 6-0, and oh, I believe they will win the AL Central. And that's where we're at. So you know, especially because Chris Sale is still looming for Detroit. So if the White Sox do happen to get one of these next two, well, if the Twins can split and the Royals take care of business, they'd be right there. So we'll see what happens. Get back to tonight, though. Now, I don't mean to always get in a, you know, a little tangent talking about playoff scenarios, but I think you probably enjoy discussing, and hopefully you're muttering as I talk here and saying, yeah, yep, no, yeah, you're an idiot, Dave. Oh, yep, 
that's a good point. Yep, true. I thought of that too, Dave. I, I knew that too. It's exciting, isn't it? Hopefully, you're kind of thinking and playing along here with me. So I hope you're enjoying this here on Clubhouse Conversation. Now, tonight was all about the Royal Stud pitching, as you mentioned earlier. Not just Duffy, though. We got the six impressive innings out of Danny. But then Brandon Finnegan. Who would have ever realistically thought that he would be up here in September out of the bullpen and, and pitching at this high of a level. I think we all knew deep down it was a possibility we could see him this September, being a lefty and a college pitcher and having guys struggle out of the Royals' pen, especially Southpaws. Didn't have a whole bunch of great options out there, although Bueno was good at that point of the season when he was first drafted. He's since kind of tailed off, but obviously the stuff is night and day different between Bueno and Finnegan. No offense to Bueno. I love him, but Finnegan, ridiculous ceiling on him, but who would have thought that he would come in and have this, you know, you'd be able to throw him in a, a two-run game at Cleveland, a two-run lead at Cleveland, and he faced some pretty damn good hitters there in the seventh inning. Got through it, allowed a two-out double, but two Ks, and I imagine we'll see him at least one of the next two games as a situational guy, perhaps for another inning, with all those good left-handed bats or keeping Santana on the right side. Now, Wade Davis, well, allowed the leadoff walk, and you were a bit nervous. Three days in a row we've seen Wader, so I'm assuming he's out tomorrow, and they rested Herrera tonight, so Herrera can probably give you one to two innings tomorrow with Holland. I'm sure Holland can go a third day again. So you get Holland and Herrera for the eighth and ninth and part of the seventh tomorrow, maybe Fendigan or Downs for the rest of the seventh for lefties. So you need to get at least six out of Ventura with a lead, and you're in great shape again tomorrow. One, two, three in the ninth for Holland. We also have to, of course, mention that Wade Davis set the Royals single-season record, strikeout record by a reliever. Another scoreless inning there for a waiter. Pitching was awesome tonight. Stud arms. Who else can run out those kind of arms back to back to back to back? You know, and we didn't even have Herrera in there. But you go, you go Duffy, lefty with gas, same thing Finnegan, same thing Davis, same thing Holland. All of them have ridiculous breaking balls. All four of those guys do. And we didn't even have Herrera in there. I mean, look at the arms the Royals have. That's why if they can catch the baseball, and we saw a couple nice plays tonight, it looked a lot better, a lot more fluid, a lot more relaxed tonight. I don't know. Maybe it's just playing at home they lock up. I don't know what it is. They, they seem to play better on the road. They seem more energetic and more loose, and whatever the reason, you know, perhaps having 10,000 plus, 10,458 by Cleveland. How pathetic is that? I mean, I know they're probably not going to make the playoffs, but first of all, you get – 1.2 games, 1.1 games. You get part of the end of a first game. It was started in KC on Sunday Night Baseball. So that's cool right there. That's included with the ticket price. Number two, your team is, with that assuming win, only three back of KC. They're a sweep away from ring right back in, and you draw 10,000. And that's the kind of stuff KC was doing. KC probably had more than that. I haven't looked, but I bet I go back to 2005, 2006, some of those seasons. I bet you on a Monday night in September, I bet the Royals had more than 10,458. I mean, so that's pathetic, guys. Come on, Cleveland. Anyway, help the Royals. But, yeah, pitching-wise, defense-wise was good. Now, offensively, Noriaoki continues. A base knock and the suspended game comes right back in his first A-B. <laughs> and Hosmer drives him in with a two-out single. What is going on with Aoki? What, what, how did this happen? He went from a giant disappointment in July to and a guy that was no chance of being back with the Royals in 2015 to now all of a sudden you've got to think about him as a legit possibility coming back in 2015 and a guy who's almost single-handedly carrying you 
you know, offensively. I mean, Kane's really stepped it up recently as well. But, I mean, those two and Escobar, of course. I mean, those three kind of right now. But especially Nori. Good grief. His defense has been better as well. Better routes. Hitting the cutoff men. I don't know what happened. If he was hurt or if he was nervous or if he really genuinely didn't learn the American League that quick, although that seems like kind of a lame excuse since he had a pretty good immediate success with Milwaukee, which was a completely new country. So I don't know that that really mattered that much. But either way, it's, it's a conversation we'll have a different day. But Nori could be in the Royals' plans next year as a third outfielder, a fourth outfielder, a third-and-a-half outfielder, a guy that starts in the outfield three times a week, maybe DHs once a week, pinch hits against some lefties. I mean, so you have some options with Nori. We'll see what happens. He could, of course, his contract and his value could exceed what the Royals are willing to pay him, of course, because they'll need some, some, some boppers, some power next year, especially on that right field spot most likely, unless they decide to move Kane or something, maybe Dyson. And use Nori as I said, the third and a half outfitter. But anyway, different conversation for a different day. Omar Infante, a nice leadoff double in the fifth. We mentioned disappointing that he wasn't able to get the hit in the suspended game. But that second run he was able to produce, he earned it. I mean, basically, with the help of Moose and Escobar, the leadoff double, and then Moose, a great at bat, going out of his way to make sure he pulls the ball, which, of course, is not a huge deal for him. That's a natural pull hitter in Moose. But nice job moving the runner. Granted, the second gets him to third. And then Escobar hits the ball pretty hard to short. Luckily, the shortstop misplayed it a bit. The Royals were able to get their second round. That's all they needed. The offense was, I thought it was okay tonight. I mean, 11 Ks and one walk is not good, but let's give Carrasco some credit tonight. I mean, he is coming off a 12K shutout against the Astros, and he's been lights out since the All-Star break. So let's give him some credit. But 11 Ks and one walk. We saw some awful at-bats from Kane, uh, some more awful swings that Perez, you know, striking out at balls a foot outside and low. But some nice other things besides the two runs, and some balls were hit hard. Alex Gordon hit a couple hard, one oppo, one to right field. Butler smoked one that I thought had a, a, a chance at at least being a double, possibly gone, was run down by Bourne. But overall, I thought the Royals were okay offensively, and, and game one slash the suspended game had some encouraging things as well, obviously. Now, the rest of the series, Jordano Ventura against David Salazar tomorrow. The righty is 6-7 and seven with a 4.02, so a solid pitcher is Salazar. Over his last 10, he's 4-3 and three with a 3.17, including two recent starts in that span against KC. On August 29th, five shutout innings on four hits, three Ks and two walks against the Royals. And then July 27th, he did seven innings with seven Ks, allowed three runs. So five shutout innings his last time, and then seven innings of three-run ball with seven Ks time before that. I like this matchup tomorrow for the Royals. I think the Royals have, obviously, all the momentum right now. They're right there. They're a game back in Detroit. They've got a lead now over Seattle. So they're kind of in a cool position. They, this team loves being the hunters more than the hunted. And they're more still hunting right now because they're still back of Oakland. They're still back in Detroit. And they've got to feel a little confident at the same time that they've got a nice lead on Seattle. They're not going to be any atmosphere, no crowd in Cleveland. Cleveland, perhaps, hopefully won't have quite the focus and and energy the Royals do because I'm sure they know that they're out of it. They're basically one loss away from being out of it. They've got to run the table, and even that may not be enough at, that, at this point. So I like the Royals' odds with, with Ventura going against Salazar tomorrow. Like I said, get six to seven innings of two or three-run ball out of Ventura. I think the Royals will win this game tomorrow. Let's do it. And then Vargas and Trevor Bauer on Wednesday. Vargas has been struggling a bit since coming back from the appendectomy. I don't love that matchup quite as well. That's more of a toss-up. So get the game tomorrow, and then you don't have to worry that much on Wednesday. Of course, you won every game of these last six because you're trying to catch Detroit. And the only way to guarantee you're going to catch Detroit is go 6-0 and and have them lose a game. So in theory, all of them are equally as important. But you really want that game tomorrow. 
it gives you a little bit more breathing room going into Wednesday and that even matchup. So there you go. A, a pretty good day for the Royals baseball today, like, like we said here. So uh, thanks for listening. Um, let's keep it going. Get a win tomorrow. And one other thing, hope you were able to check out the interview we did with Steve Rinka, who pitched for the Royals in 1983. It's here on the site. Uh, some great stories, including one where George Brady jokingly almost lost his life on a fishing trip one time with Rinko. It's it's a great story. you got to check it out. You'll laugh pretty hard at that. Some info about the 83 Royals drug scandal in that interview, which is kind of juicy, and uh, some old Charlie Finley stories. Rinko pitched for a number of teams throughout his very successful big league career. He was a quarterback at KU. He was the quarterback when Gale Sayers was there. So Kansas Sports Hall of Fame. Great interview. Check that out here on the site. If you missed the Jeremy Guthrie interview a few days ago, that's on there as well. And I'm proud to, well, not proud, but excited to say that I'll have an interview with former two-time Royals All-Star Jose Rosado. I've tracked him down in Puerto Rico. We'll have him coming up later this week as well on Clubhouse Conversation. All Royals, all the time. Have a good night. Let's keep it going. Hunt for Blue October continues on the dish here. Clubhouse Conversation.